Hey, Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics, and I need your help. Or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at M-C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks, everybody and stay strong. For this, we've, we've kind of gone all the way back to like the beginning. It's like, who, who invented plyometrics? Well, it was actually invented by a guy. His name's uh, Verkoshansky in, um, in like the Soviet Union. And he has some really good books that I have somewhere around here. Yeah, one of the books I'm learning a lot from is called Special Strength Training Manual for Coaches. And this was from 1970 or something that time period. And it was just basically when the Soviet Union had massive, massive amounts of resources to divert to sports science. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength and conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA, or internship opportunities, or even live discussions, they are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I will put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is the software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is full of tools that coaches need like multiple max training methods, 16-plus reports, evaluation testing, goal setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with team builders and house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. So please be sure to rate, like, subscribe, and even share this podcast with a fellow coach or a fellow in iron. I am your host, John Mark Raspberry. Current strength coach over, well, still searching for a place to land. Uh, I'm on here with uh, Dr. Matt Cassero. Yep. Okay, I just want to make sure I yep. pronounce that correctly. Uh, Dr. Physical Therapy, Physical Therapist, and CSCS. So, yep. uh, Matt, welcome to the Conjugate Chats, man. It's awesome to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here, dude. Absolutely. So, um, we kind of go through segments here. So we're just going to go through uh, some of these segments um, and you're just going to give us some of your expertise on some of these uh, topics. So um, the, fir- the first one we have is uh, tricks and tips. So this is where you issue or give us a tip or a trick that you've discovered in your, I guess, your professional career. Okay. I'll do one from the rehab standpoint first, because I think this is something like a broad framework. And I, I actually got this recently from my one of my mentors. Um, his name's Chris Johnson up in Seattle. But his his a lot of his philosophy boils down to load the tissue with the issue. So there's a lot of rehab cases where uh, you know like you have you know an irritated knee or you have an irritated Achilles tendon or something like that. And this applies to strength coaches as well. Um, we often just need to figure out how to load what you're having an issue with because really load progressively is what gets us back to full. Um, function. Whereas when we really avoid load with the tissue with the issue, we get into trouble. So that's my pro tip that I've recently picked up. And also too, we also see this discussion of rest, ice, compression, elevation. 
And we're yeah. getting to a point now that we're kind of understanding that, um, you know, maybe icing some of the injured or the irritated, you know, muscles or uh, surround areas is not really that it only like numbs the pain um, until it can actually start to like heal. And I went through an AT course um, in my undergrad, and that's one thing they said, well, you need ice. Like, well, the first step in, you know, healing is inflammation like they have you know like our body has to have inflammation in order to heal so give us your two thoughts about the ice um you know the rice um i guess methods that uh, yeah. are in some of the textbooks so to be honest i haven't read a lot of the research on that and but but like the way that i see it is it's just not a high return um method so i don't even put a lot of time and effort into reading all the research on pro or con ice and and the levels of histidine release from icing or non-icing because it's it's probably not the the most important lever for me to pull or the most important um variable for me to like really understand well like what i what i'm interested in is like strain rates on tissues and like davis law and wolf's law and like how do we improve bone mineral density and tendon properties and soft tissue properties and it's just not a mechanism that produces that outcome. So I'm just really interested in refining the outcomes that do produce the mechanism that I'm interested in really uh, learning about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that was just one of those things that, you know, kind of, you know, on Twitter, social media kind of like kind mm -hmm. of picked up every once in a while, you know, of all physical therapists and people that are in AT, you know, sports medicine and kind of picked up on that. It's like, oh, cool. You know, you know, get to learn a little bit more every day. Now, we are going to go through a heavy training topic. Well, the heavy training topic today is you because you've been a big influence and a big resource for anyone with the CSCS mm -hmm. test. So give us your backstory about like, why did you start the movement system? Why, you know, uh, why did you go pr uh, pursue the CSCS? Why go to PT school? All that wonderful stuff, man. For sure. Yeah. So. You know, I, I have always had like a lot of questions and just been looking for answers. Initially, a lot of my questions were just like, how does how do things move and how does like the world work? So uh, out of high school, I started with physics engineering at Ohio State and I was going to be a physics engineer. And I was like, wow, I'm answering like a lot of interesting questions. But I'm also spending like a lot of time behind a computer screen and, you know, behind like software and, and writing code and stuff that I just didn't really care that much about. But I did care about exercise and science. And then I figured out in my first year that I, there's actually a program that combines the two exercise science. I'm like, ah, oh, that's, that's cool. I was already spending a lot of time at the gym, mostly just playing basketball. But, um, you know, I was like, I could maybe do something with this. So I pivoted a little bit, studied exercise science for about the next three and a half years and, and got my um, degree on time, luckily. And after that, I was like, you know, I should, uh, like really figure out what I want to do next. And as I was getting through the end of my um, undergrad, I decided to do a strength conditioning internship, not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I was interested in college strength conditioning and high school strength conditioning, but wasn't sure if that was like 100% where I was going to go. Uh, but I did the internship and just put in a lot of time and effort to that, as well as a lot of time and effort to all of the other training that I was doing, like personal training and group training. I was actually working for Nike at the time, doing a bunch of their group classes and, and teaching for them. So a bunch of cool opportunities that I got through school, but I still had a lot of questions, right? So, so 
you know, I had a gap year before going to PT school. So I was able to do high school strength conditioning for a year, get into my own personal training business and work with more clients. Uh, I got into corporate fitness a little bit, tried a little bit of everything for this like year off. But then I decided like, I still have too many questions that I, I want to answer in regards to like movement and, and things that I just didn't understand. So I decided to go back to PT school. Actually, a couple of years later now, I'm like, I probably could have answered a lot of those on my own if I just gave it enough time without PT school. But I think, you know, if you're if you're really interested in it, PT school can be a good route. Uh, it just depends on the person. Um, but that's kind of what uh, what I ended up doing. And then just through all of it, I just like to share what I was learning. So as soon as I learned something, the first thing I want to do is like tell everybody around me, but they didn't care. So I had to put it on the Internet. So I just started making videos <laughs> and, um, you know, eventually some of those videos was like just my understanding of bioenergetics and my understanding of um, some physiological principles like muscle spindles and Golgi tendon organs. And I realized like I can explain these things as long as I practice doing it enough times. Like I can explain these things better than most of the professors on YouTube because they aren't like, learn. they didn't just learn it. They don't know like what it feels like to not know it anymore. Like they only know it. So it was like an interesting perspective to be able to put it out there. Um, knowing the information fairly recently and being able to kind of connect back to where I was as a student, not knowing it a few years ago, and just kind of simplify some of those concepts. Um, and then that just took off to, you know, like a lot of people were asking me about like CSCS con concepts. So I started making more videos about it. Started making a group of all the people who wanted to learn about it. So that way I could post my videos to that group. And then over time, it just kind of took off to where we are today. Man, I mean, I remember studying for the CSCS. I studied for this thing for three years off and on. And, mm -hmm. you know, one, that was one of the first resources was your movement system and actually like breaking down the information. You know, it's one thing to read it from the attention, uh, the essentials textbook. You're like, OK, you know, I can memorize, you know, what the book says, but actually like understanding and how it applies to strength and conditioning and how it applies to your different settings. And that's awesome that you have experience at the high school realm, because that's currently where I'm at right now is the high school realm. And a lot of people that listen in on this are in the high school realm as well. But it's cool that, you know, it almost comes like full, full circle, you know, um, from learning the information, how it applies. And then you put into a setting and it's like just keeps on. It's just a cycle over and over, man. And, uh, that, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of hard to, to understand, like, where the pieces fit in, like whenever you're learning them. But you kind of have to just trust that it'll make sense down the road. Like if you're learning about how a muscle spindle works, it's like, oh man, like they were talking about like these little tiny fibers and these neuromuscular connections. And I don't know what any of this means, but whenever you get to like learning about plyometrics and isometrics later on, and you're, and you're applying them to your athletes and you're giving them a five second overcoming isometric, and then you're giving them a rhythmic plyometric. And then you start to understand like, how exercise modifications and how speed of movement and, and all these other things affect um, the physiology, then you start to tie all of your program design decisions back to your knowledge of physiology. And it, it kind of comes together in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. So talk more about the movement system. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you got your CSCS, you went through PT school and you're still continuing the movement system, you know, and you're helping thousands of people, man. I mean, uh, I'm part of your Facebook group too. And, you know, there's thousands of people on that thing. Right. So um, talk more, a little bit more about that. Like, how do you keep up with all the people that are on there and how do you um, continuously put out information? I know you got your YouTube channel and 
Uh, you post questions on that group chat from time to time. What, mm-hmm. what else are you doing to um, help people in your study group and your movement system as well? Yeah, so I think like whether you look at anyone who like has built some sort of following in the industry, like it's it's usually it's it's never an accident. Like you have to put out like lots and lots of content. Like look at um, some like the top people in our industry, like Squat University. He's been putting out two to three really well detailed like videos um, every day for years, right? <laughs> it's just like a massive amount of content. Everyone's gonna have their different angle on it, and. Um, some people are going to reach masses easier. Some people are going to niche down and reach, you know, people with a certain training philosophy or or something like that. I've kind of found myself um, over time reaching people who are pretty much like in this in the field, like exercise science. Like I'm not really putting that much information out to like general clients who are training. Maybe a little bit more now, but for the most part, like trying to help people in the industry kind of level up their knowledge and be better with programming, be better with you know, being able to pass their CSCS exam. So to me, it's just like, what are the most helpful things to the people who are asking me questions? Like if they're asking me questions about something, I probably should make a video about it. Like, um, and, and, and I've just kind of built out a schedule over time where I do a YouTube video every Monday. I do a podcast. Uh, I, I was doing it on the 15th and the 1st, but now I'm trying to release one every Wednesday. Um, and then Instagram posts, I at one point got to like, I was at three a week, then I'm at five a week, and then I went to seven a week. And now I'm at like seven to 10 per week, which is a lot of work. Like, it's just a lot of like putting ideas together. But I actually brought on an assistant now and stuff like that to help. So, you know, it's just, I think it's just about like, you just have to do it a lot of times. Like, like, I I looked back at some of my first videos and it looks like I'm like frozen against the wall, like trying to talk. And it's like, man, you, you don't really be, you can't really be a natural. Like, maybe some people are. A little bit more natural at speaking than others but like it probably just takes a lot of practice for sure and i mean that's a lot of work on the front end and also what you're doing now you know and that's a lot of information to put out you know from where you're staying like three times a week to five times a week to seven almost ten times that's a lot of information being you know pushed out and you know um i know from personal experience and i know a lot of people that have done your movement system as well um, your CSCS prep for the movement system and gotten great, you know, return out of it, you know, um, and that's something that I know. And I talked to a few people as well before we jumped on and, you know, they, one of the guys said, you know, in our little study group was uh, tell Matt, you know, thank you for, you know, putting all the resources out there because, you know, it's one, it, again, go circling back to the, the textbook, right. You can sit there and, yeah. You can sit there in class and read a textbook and learn, but it's, it's different, you know, when you are, you know, trying to get to CSCS and trying to understand these concepts and understand what the NSCA wants you to know and all this wonderful stuff, man. And you have you have a great way of just breaking it down for, you know, people like us and myself particularly that, you know, um, that need it to be broken down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And thank you for that. And, you know, I, I honestly just approached it from the perspective, like, I wish this video existed whenever I was studying, so I'm just going to make it. Like, as soon as I figure out something, I'm like, man, I wish someone told me this a while ago. I just make the video about it, like, or a post about it or something. So talk to us more about, like, your movement system, because I know you came out with the program design 101. So mm-hmm. is there going to be other courses like that? Are there, uh, what do you got planned for uh, the movement system? 
That's a good question. Yeah. So like I, the movement system is primarily an educational platform for fitness professionals. So it's where people can come to learn more about what they want to learn about. So someone who wants to learn about passing the CSCS and get that outcome can come and do the CSCS course and, and get that outcome. But then there's also other questions that you're going to have, just like how whenever I got into the industry, I had all these questions that I wanted to answer, movement-related questions and program-related questions and training-related questions. So um, I'm trying to kind of slowly solve those, but make sure that it's really done in a way that best benefits the the person doing the course. So like, I really wanted to not release just a whole bunch of courses that I kind of throw together. Like I, I really want to do it strategically over time. So I'm really only releasing like one course per year or so, and just making sure it's really the best course possible. So I'll just even tell you right now, like the one we're working on now is called Plyometrics 101. And I think it'll be a really, really good resource for co uh, coaches. We've already been working on it for a few months. It's going to take another few months before we can actually get it out there. But I want to consult with all, all of the best experts on plyometrics. I want to do, cover all of the research on plyometrics. I want to review all of the different plyometric programs that are out there and boil it down into like a 10-hour system that people can learn step-by-step step and make sure that once they get out of this course, they're not just getting CEUs, putting them on their website and moving on. They're also like, they really learned something and leveled themselves up in a way that they couldn't do or that would take them years to do um, maybe in person with a coach. So it's just trying to put together, like I'm, I'm trying to get expert uh, opinions from you know some of the just really good strength coaches out there and um, kind of put it all together into like one system. And I'm trying to do that for a couple different things. Like I want to do that from a movement perspective to have like a really good resource for coaches to understand movement principles, like hip rotation and shoulder flexion and extension. And like, how, how do we actually look at these things and how do we coach them and how do we make training decisions around what we're seeing with the, the movement assessment? But these are long-term projects for me. Like I could put something together and put it out by next week but I want to make sure it's really good. So like, that's going to be something that I'm really building over months and years. It always goes back to that. Uh, what is it? Quality over quantity, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely what uh, is, is evident. What you're doing is definitely quality work. And, you know, instead of pushing out, you know, five, 10 products, you know, in a couple months, you're, you know, taking the time and bringing experts into that. That's awesome. So let's talk more about the pod metric course. Cause that interests me a little bit. Okay. So, um, Give us a brief synopsis about what it actually is and what exactly was someone learning um, through that course. You know, what would they learn and, you know, just how were they able to incorporate it into their own program? Yeah, this is actually a good discussion to have because I'm still in the planning phases, right? Like for program design, like we had, it was basically maybe eight months to to create this whole course, which is a 10 hour course. So you're thinking about like an hour of content for month so it's like really well thought out content um but now we're in the planning stages for plyometrics so we're just in the outlining phases and collecting information and you know everyone creates courses differently if you just do like your your kind of like typical um continuing education sometimes it's just people who just kind of like throw together their training philosophy on a couple of slides and if it takes three hours okay then you get three hours of ceus with this or maybe it's a bunch of people at conferences and each person has their area of expertise. And that can be actually really beneficial. Um, but we're kind of doing it a little bit differently. We're trying to create one um, 
one system for like an, that that solves like an entire problem of like I want to understand plyometrics really really well so that way I can specifically program them for my basketball athletes my endurance athletes my um, football athletes and and really understand what I'm doing make sure I can measure progress and um, just know the reasoning behind my exercise choice so right now our outline looks like um, and this is subject to change but it looks like we're going to cover some of the physio physiological principles first I think that's a good place to start is like general physiology and then we're going to use the probably the extensive versus intensive model of plyometrics and for this we've we've kind of gone all the way back to like the beginning it's like who who invented plyometrics well it was actually invented by a guy his name is uh Verkoshansky in um from like the Soviet Union and he has some really good books that I have somewhere around here and um yeah, one of the books I'm learning a lot from is called Special Strength Training Manual for Coaches. And this was from, I don't know, 1970 or something that time period. And it was just basically when the Soviet Union had massive, massive amounts of resources to divert to sports science. And Verko Shansky essentially invented the shock method. And he was basically the first one to really study like what a depth jump or a drop jump actually does to the body and um, what outcomes we can expect from different variations of plyometrics. And his work has been iterated on a lot of times and there's current research to add to it for sure. But we kind of went all the way back to the start of plyometrics to figure out like um, what methods we could really incorporate into this um, course to really make it most beneficial for coaches. So we're gonna use the intensive extensive model but then kind of apply that to a beginner athlete, apply that to more of an intermediate athlete, apply that to more of an advanced athlete and talk about how we're going to program each of those and what we're going to look for when we're analyzing plyometrics. Like do these plyometrics look bouncy and rhythmic or do these plyometrics look like stop and go, right? Like what's the difference between those two? Like how, how's that athlete going to respond? Like what numbers would we objectively expect to see different six weeks from now, if we program bouncy versus stop and go plyometrics, right? So it's it's an ongoing process. Like I'm interviewing a bunch of experts on the field, analyzing all the research, putting it all together. And then over time, we'll formulate it into something that's really useful for coaches. I'll be on the look for that because I think plyometrics is a, a, um, a great part of any good strength conditioning plan. You know, being able to know how to implement it, implement it properly, you know, look at the foot or the foot uh, contact times and how many times are they actually, you know, are hitting the ground, come right back up and, you know, learn about this, uh, what's it, the stretch shortening cycle inside muscles and how that eccentrics yeah. and, you know, that's, that's a great thing. And I think that'd be an awesome resource for any strength coach out there or any coach, really, you know, if you're running a sports team or if you're. Uh, a coach, you know, a sport coach running a sports team, and you're the one designated for their strength conditioning plan, you know, that's a great resource for them. Yeah. I mean, like, even things now that I know about it, like, I would do differently compared to like whenever I was in high school strength and conditioning, working with groups of 80 high school girls. It's like, um, there's like some interesting, some interesting takeaways from the research so far is like eccentric overload during a plyometric exercise kind of limits like stretch shortening cycle function and, and this is actually pretty common that you see this where like there's like a essentially like a decoupling between the um 
eccentric movement and the concentric movement. Like, and you have to like, I want to actually get good visuals within the course for this and, and even just post them to like YouTube and stuff. Um, but like, if you look at someone from the side doing like a depth jump, like, and you could kind of do it like three different ways. Like you could do it where it's like just a drop jump where you just like touch the ground barely and you're, you're right up. Like you're not going to get quite as much height, but it's a very quick ground contact. And you can do like more of a moderate ground contact and involve like a, a bit more, of you know, shoulder flexion, extension, range of motion with arm swing. And that becomes like more of a depth jump. But a lot of people are going even beyond that where there's like a decoupling, like it's like an eccentric motion and then like a, a very small pause. It's like hard to see unless you compare between drop jump, depth jump and like a little bit too long of depth jump. Um, but if you do and end up seeing this, it, it really does limit like the amount of stretch shortening cycle um, activation and utilization and therefore training response. Um, and, and often we see this whenever people are doing like hurdle jumps, but the hurdles are too high. So they really have to stick and then like re-jump again. It, and all these things happen so fast. It's, it's tough to actually develop a coaching eye for it. It took me a lot of time I, I, for sure. And I'm sure other coaches as well. But when, once you start seeing these things and you see like a good versus a bad example and connect it back to the physiology, it, it really does start to make more sense. It's as if uh, everything kind of comes full circle in that sense there. Um, that, you know, that's awesome, man. And that's awesome. Awesome for me as a, you know, a high school strength conditioning coach, you know, kind of even sitting there talking to you, I got thoughts in my head, like, well, now I got to change up a little bit here. I got, you know, I got, I got a fully good understanding of, or at least a better understanding of some of that stuff as well, man. So that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome yeah. there. So, um, let's kind of wrap things up here real quick. I know this is a pretty quick episode. Um, oh, so, this is uh, kind of a coach's spotlight. This is where you're giving us um, a coach that's made an in a impact into the industry of strength conditioning. So do you have anyone out there that you're like, that guy or that girl's making the impact in the field of strength conditioning? Yeah, so um, I think there's like, there's a lot of like, I would say maybe, maybe even more than 50% for most people is going to be like your local influence. So I think I don't want to underweigh this. Like I've had a lot of really good, like local influence from just mentors and coaches that aren't even on social media. So like I can tell you their name, but like it doesn't like uh, like Coach Tyler was a good one, and um, like Alicia was was really helpful for me like early on, and um, Alicia's on Instagram. But anyway, like a lot of coaches that like I learned from early on um, don't really have like a huge social media presence, and I think that. Um, that's the way that most coaches should probably learn most of their information because like those people can spend like a lot of time with you and um you know doing like internships or shadowing and even just like networking with other coaches in your area is a really really good way to learn that's that's probably where i learned like more than 50 percent of um my information but i'm also like kind of in the social media space so for me um i've also had like influences of people on social media uh, from the endurance training side, one of my mentors, Chris Chris Johnson, is really good. He's up in Seattle. He's a physical therapist and endurance performance coach. And um, he coached me to one of my Ironman races and super smart guy. Um, also, re recently, I've been learning a lot from um, Max Marzo. And he's the one who put me onto the book, Special Strength Training Coach or Special Strength Training Manual for Coaches and some of the Verkoshansky stuff. So, I think his Instagram, he has two. He has like always an athlete and stronger by science. Um, 
or strong by science, strong by science, I think might be Greg Knuckles, but both of those are really good pages. So either way, you're going to learn something. <laughs> but um, yeah, those have been really good mentors as well. I also have um, just a really good uh, PT clinic that I work with here in, in Las Vegas. And um, just a whole good team of, of people there, like Zachy and Jose and Carmen and some of the other fellows in that group. So that their, their team is optimized physical therapy and performance. And they're working with a bunch of NFL athletes and other Vegas athletes that are really doing some cool high level stuff. So I, you know, I'm actually, I, I consider myself like two steps below them. So I need to like, I, I go there often and learn a lot from them to like keep stepping my knowledge up. So it's, it's kind of funny because even after you learn things, there's always people who, who know more and know different things. I try to reach out to a bunch of different areas, whether that's, you know, basketball strength coaches, endurance strength coaches, football strength coaches, like a bunch of different um, specialties and try to learn a little bit from each one. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of people probably that, ones I forgot too. That's awesome. And, you know, even though you're a doctor of physical therapy and done CSCS and you're doing all these videos and it's evident that you know your stuff, man, and you still hear, uh, you know, you're still saying that, you know, you're still continuously learning and, you know, there's people out there that are, you know, doing a higher level, man, you're still learning yeah. from them and stuff. You know, that's, that's encouraging to hear it from a younger coach. And I know a lot of other high school, younger uh, high school strength coaches are going to say the same thing because like, you know, we get so wrapped up in, you know, sets of reps and weight and percentages and RPE scale and like all that stuff. And then we kind of lose focus like, oh, well, we, we need to kind of take a step back and, you know, find people that are, you know, doing it better in our industry. And so and so we continuously learn and so we can continuously, you know, make our practice better. So that's really encouraging to hear from, you know, someone like you that's a, a high presence in the strength and conditioning world. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in over time, you like you'll realize like even the questions that you're asking right now, you don't even know like what questions to ask to get like the next level of information. So you gotta have to just like get in that space and and kind of get overwhelmed by all the different information in it, and then slowly start to piece it together. But like, I think at the end of the day, like the process of being a good coach is really more of a it's a process, not an outcome. So like, people don't have to worry about like, oh, I have to learn everything and then I'll be a good coach. Like. No, you could be a good coach, a great coach with three months of experience, as long as you're doing all the things that like we would expect someone with three months of experience in coaching to do, like listen to the people around you and like um, don't develop like this giant ego and like specific training philosophy that's just based on like the few things, you know, like just like keep listening to everybody around you and um, be willing to like be flexible with your thoughts and like develop, develop, develop them more over time, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, that's something for younger strength coaches is to kind of, I think, comprehend. Uh, when I was first coming into the high school strength realm, man, like that's one thing I thought I knew everything because I had a kinesiology degree and learned quickly, you know, programming for a high school football team and a high school vo girls volleyball and softball and all that stuff. You know, mm -hmm. the approach that I took to football could work with different, you know, sport teams and stuff like that. So to hear yeah. stuff, you know, something like that, you know, where, you know, you are continuously learning, man, that, that's such a big help. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, in, once you see p people's perspective on it, like it, it helps you change because like you kind of have like your one core philosophy based on like what you've experienced yourself, but there's all these other people who've experienced different training philosophies and methods. 
And they've also gotten good results and bad results. So it's like, there has to be things tangential to your perspective that work and don't work, right? Like, so, yeah. <laughs> That's got good stuff, man. Good stuff, man. Well, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. I know we kind of chit-chat a little bit about it. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for, you know, being on, taking time, being on, man, and yeah. getting to talk to us a little bit more about you and your system and everything else in between, man. That's it's completely awesome, though. Completely awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjure Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjure Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also follow Matt and his movement system as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.